Good morning. This is Richard Chang for the Sativa segment. We're filming episode 18 today. I am without my co-host today. Don't know Neo. He's uh, not feeling well and lost his voice. So Byron, it'll just be you and I. Uh, before we get started, I'd like to point out that this episode is fueled by Ritter Spencer Chang. Uh, it's a local um, law firm here in Addison, Texas. Um, we are in Addison and I am one of the partners at the firm. Uh, it's a one-stop shop for um, a variety of different types of businesses, although we do emphasize uh, emphasis in, uh, we do emphasize the industries in, in healthcare and also alternative substances. Um, before we get started, uh, I also like to point out that um, this episode is going to air a couple months from now, but this is officially my last episode to record in 2023. So um, I'm looking forward to the new year um, and uh, hopefully I'll have some more interesting content. Today we have Byron Campbell from uh, Capital Insights. Thanks, Richard. Appreciate it. How's it going? It's going all right. We've known each other for a while. We have known each other for a while. It's yeah. uh, been almost 10 years, actually. Wow. Yeah. That's almost 10 time. years. Yeah. Jeez. So how are things on the Hill? Uh, they're interesting. The Texas Hill. Yeah, the, the, the Texas Hill. Uh, they're interesting. Um, we had uh, three special sessions this year. Yeah. So uh, if, if for our, our viewers and listeners that don't know, uh, Texas is, uh, the legislature is in every other year for 140 days. Okay. Uh, and then the governor can decide to call a special session on uh, whatever he deems feels like wasn't covered during the, the, the regular session. They had three this year and left them uh, in session um, all the way through October, I believe. So it's a long time. Um, it's gotten pretty ugly. Obviously, you know, there was uh, the, the impeachment trial of, of uh, Attorney General Paxton. That took some time. Um, so it's gotten, it's gotten pretty ugly uh, in Austin. But, um, you know, that's, that's politics. Yeah. And, and you know what? We will go down that path yep. here a little bit later in the show, but let's uh, get to know you sure. um, and talk about, you know, the fact that you're a lobbyist mm -hmm. and that you have your own lobbying firm with your dad, mm -hmm. Drew, mm -hmm. um, and you guys function um, throughout the state mm -hmm. uh, with an emphasis in Dallas and some municipalities and also um, we, of course, know each other through the cannabis industry. And this Correct. is what, of course, this, this is what the show is about. Right. But um, how did you get into lobbying? Tell me a little bit what precipitated leading up to the lobbying career, your your education background. You know, did you have any work prior work experience? Yeah, sure. So uh, I grew up here in DFW um, and went to University of North Texas. Mm -hmm. uh, got the uh, the opportunity to play football up there. Mean Green. Um, go Mean Green, you yeah. bet. They really improved that campus. The, yeah, the campus is incredible, and the city of Denton is has actually uh, exploded. Uh, when I was there, there was a there was a sack and safe was okay. the only place to go get groceries, and that was about it. But now it's yeah, it's 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 really improved. I mean, before it's always been known kind of like a commuter school, sure, and people just go there to yeah. get their education. But it's a legit campus though. Yeah, I we, mean, have, we have over 40,000 students and I'm, I am uh, I am the, uh, I, I was the president of the Alumni Association for wow. four years. Uh, so I, I, I am and, and was heavily involved, but mm. yeah, really proud of the school, really proud of uh, of what we've done in the last you know 20 years really. Um, yeah, it's got over forty thousand students. Um, it's uh, it's it's grown all of its uh, research foundation, and and um, it's 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 become you know very competitive, very legitimate school here in Texas. Yeah, you know I taught there. 
When? Well, I taught at the law school. Oh, okay. Well, that's that's yeah, yeah that's in Dallas. It's, it's, yeah, a, it's yeah, in yeah, Dallas, yeah. but I I taught um, a cannabis law class that's at, awesome. at their at the UNT law school. Yeah, yeah, they're doing so, a lot of great things down there. They too. are, and yeah. they you know they've really kind of gutted the old courthouse and yep. made it into a, a really really nice it's really law cool. school. Yep. Yeah, but campus is impressive. You played football there. Yep. What position did you play? I played linebacker. Okay. Yeah. Did that for a number of years. We won a conference title, went to a bowl game, so had some had some fun experience there. But I, ma I majored in political science. Okay. And uh, been as you mentioned, my dad is uh, my business partner. He's been a lobbyist for over forty years. Um, I grew around, grew up around politics. Mm. I was a page on the the uh, house floor in Austin when I was six years old. Um, so I've, I've grown up around politics. I thought I wanted to be a lawyer. Um, I went to DC for an internship. Smart move on not going to law school. <laughs> so all my lawyer yeah. friends tell me. Smart said, move. It's the smartest thing you've ever done. Yeah. And um, uh, so I interned, I had an internship with uh, Congressman Pete Sessions, who was in Dallas at the time, and then got a job uh, working for John Boehner um, on the Education Workforce Committee. So that was, I, that was my um graduate degree was working on the hill for two years okay. and gathering that that knowledge and uh, institutional knowledge and and contacts in dc um moved home and started that must have been interesting working for sessions <sighs> yeah as we call him uncle pete uh yeah he he was uh he was he still is he's he's back he's he's uh his seat is actually in waxahachie now so okay. um he's back in congress um, when I was there, he was a very powerful member of the Congress and, yeah. um, and did, did a, a lot of great things for me, uh, in my career. Um, so I'll always, uh, always feel, um, uh, indebted to him. He's, 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 he's always been great to me. Um, little, little divisive now, but, um, you know, the things, things change. Um, but he has a strong voice in Congress. Though. He does. He, mean, absolutely he has a very does. strong voice yeah. in Congress. Um, I'm sure you learned a lot from him. Learned an incredible amount. Um, so give yeah. me one thing that you think that was probably one of the most valuable lessons you were you, you learned from people like Pete Sessions working for them. Pete's the one that talked me out of law school. <laughs> oh, good for him. <laughs> so, so, yeah. so uh, for every intern, you know, he would spend 30 minutes with and just kind of, you know, so what, what do you want to do? What are the things you're interested in? And I was actually in, a, in an LSAT course at Georgetown uh, getting ready to take the LSAT. And he said, look, uh, politics is in your blood. Um, use DC. Use this. Use this experience as your graduate degree for what you're go, you'll go and do later. And uh, it's turned out to be excellent advice. Um, so you know, on that end, just life advice that he was the one that said, "Nah, don't do this." Um, okay. But as far as um, honestly, some of the the biggest lessons I learned from him were on the campaign trail, and just um, that was one of the things that he would do when he was here in Dallas. That was that were so uh, impressive. Well, he, he had lunch at the same place every day and all his constituents knew that. And mm -hmm. he put himself right in the middle of where, uh, his voters were. He was, he was accessible. And, mm -hmm. um, just as a, I mean, I, I, I'll never run for office and never want to, but representing clients, uh, being, being a conduit with legislators, if you know, 99% of my job is showing up. You show up, your face is seen, people recognize you, they trust you, they build that trust. Um, and that's what Pete did when he when he represented Dallas uh, 
you know, many years ago was he, he was, he was present. He was always, he was always around. It's so interesting how, like you said, you just, I mean, 90% of the work is showing up. Yeah. I mean, that physical presence really generates and garners a lot of um, trust in people. Yeah. They just, they want, people want to see familiar faces. Yeah, yeah, right? absolutely. Whether you're good, bad, or indifferent, no, yeah. they, you, they want a trusted face. It's, um, a, it's, it's one of those it's, things where it's like, I, I've, you, every time I turn around, I run into you, you know, and then that's, that's, that's how you started yeah. a relationship. Um, you're just seen at the Capitol because it it just it takes time. It takes it takes a lot. Do you of think forward. it's a matter of being present? People associating the presence with competence, or do you think that it's just a factor of I'm seeing him, I'm getting to know him as a person, and um, therefore I trust him. I think it's both okay. um, because, you know, it's one of those things that my dad's always said is uh, you, you always want people to catch you working. And when you're at the Capitol, you're working. And whether it's uh, having meetings or it's it's handing out flyers or it's sitting in the pit, the pit is is the um, it's the, the kind of the rotunda just outside of the, the chamber, the the, um, mm -hmm. the House of Representatives. And that's where our lobbyists sit. And, you know, we can. Uh, uh, you know, catch members as they're going in and ask them for, you know, one, one last, one last thing before they vote on something. And, um, it, it's, it's, yeah, like I said, he, they, they catch you working and that that's clients too. Clients see that too, you know, potential clients in, in mm -hmm. the capital, but members see that happen. Um, and they, they trust you. They know you're a hard worker. You're not just parachuting in the day of a hearing. Right. Yeah. So that's, that's one of the common misconceptions is, um, well, session starts on January 3rd. It's time to get to work. Right. No, you, you have work starts right now, you know, in an odd numbered year when the, in the interim, that's, that's really when you build those relationships. And if you've got a client or you've got an issue that you really want to push, it starts right now because members can start filing bills, uh, in December and, at, of next year, obviously. And yeah. um, all that groundwork is done. Once you hit the ground in January of an, of an odd numbered year, it's it, you, you're too late. You can't show up hat in hand. Yeah. And so that's, that's, that's what I mean of, of, of you know, uh, always being seen and showing up because otherwise, otherwise you're wasting their time. I've always heard, and of course I'm no lobbyist and I'm not a politician, but I've always heard the years in Texas at least the even years, um, which are the planning years mm -hmm. leading up to session in the following odd year, are sometimes more important yeah. than the actual session itself because you're getting all your uh, relationships lined up, you're thinking and planning and strategizing about the following year. Um, tell me a little bit about th those off years. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. Um, <clears throat> And it's hard to convince a, a client of that sometimes. Well, because, it's, yeah, yeah, because it's, 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 it's not imminent, right? right? And right, so money right. has to come out of their pocket right. and, and things yeah. are imminent. So that's something that we have to convince our clients is, look, this is really when a lot of work gets done. Mm -hmm. uh, we introduce our clients to the representatives, um, help get some elected. This is campaign season. Mm -hmm. So that's obviously a big part of it. Um, but yeah, it's it's you you, you have to go find... Uh, a champion, an author for a bill that you're trying to pass. Mm -hmm. uh, you start that now because, again, once they once once session starts, things happen so quickly, and you can't say, "Oh, we have this idea that that it's 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 too late." Too right. much is that they already have their plate. Their their plate's already full of bills that they want to pass, and that starts 
that starts this this coming year and mm-hmm. um it's a lot of it's a lot of showing up in i tell you showing up in a member's district to help them campaign or just to go visit them goes a long way now it's a big state right so that's all i think it'd be a lot of travel but it, it it it's worth its weight in gold when it comes uh to session time because it's like yeah you came and saw me in my district in you know lano texas or whatever mm-hmm. and um that means a lot to me that means you care about this you care about me so they like remember a, that they remember that yeah. they, absolutely as opposed to you know giving them a check you know at the Austin club in Austin, you yeah. know, you're, you're one of a thousand lobbyists that are, you know, down there going out and visiting them and, and, and showing up at where they live is, is always mm-hmm. kind of been a, 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 a little, you know, secret of ours. Sure. Um, so let's, let's pivot a little bit about, um, your, um, your endeavors with capital insights. Mm-hmm. That's the name of your lobbying firm. Yeah. You're, you own it 50, 50 with your dad. Correct. Drew. Yeah. Um, so was it interesting pairing up with your, your dad as a business partner? Yeah, it, it, it's something that we talked about. So after I was done with Pete, I went to work for Kay Bailey Hutchison, former okay. United States Senator. Yeah. I worked for her here in Dallas for six years. And then when she decided to retire, I really didn't know what I was going to do. Um, and my dad and I had always talked about putting something together. He's been, like I said, he's been a lobbyist for a long time. And when she retired, you know, I said, you know, screw it, let's let's give us a shot. So it was really, it was really him, you know, really wanting to put this together. Um, and it's 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 obviously got its 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 pluses and minuses. I mean, you know, like like we were talking about earlier. I you know I gave with the the nepotism tag every once in a while, which is fine. I totally understand it. But at the same time, I'm you know I'm my dad's never been an elected official, but he really is um, a big personality, a big big person um, in the Capitol. Mm-hmm. So I'll mm-hmm. always be Drew's son. So there's always kind of that thing, right? Um, which isn't it's not bad at all, but it's just kind of, you know, it cuts both ways. And But I mean, from our discussions, your, your dad actually sounds like a pretty fair person. Oh in yeah, the sense absolutely. That, you know, he didn't, he didn't bring you in and say, Drew, you're gonna get the minority share of this, yeah, this yeah. firm. He, he wanted you as an equal partner. Yeah. He wanted you to have an equal say. Yeah. Uh, he didn't want you to feel like you're his employee right. because he's Drew. Right. Um, now, you know, being that your dad's older, mm-hmm. I'm assuming he's much older than mm-hmm. you. Was it a challenge getting him over the hump of saying, okay, our lobbying firm is okay with uh, embarking on this uh, cannabis and alternative substances industry? Yeah, it was. Uh, and honestly, it kind of kind of continues to be in a little way. Um, it, it, it My endeavor started in 2015 or so. Mm-hmm. Um, when when a number of laws started changing around the country, and obviously Texas is, uh, as anyone will tell you, the eighth largest GDP in the world, mm-hmm. and so I, you know, and I work here. It, it's I, I was you know I was even younger than I am now. Um, I felt like it's this is the next prohibition. This is a once in a generation opportunity mm-hmm. uh, for for business to just start from zero and get in on the ground floor. And I looked at it as I wanted to be an owner. I don't want to lobby for this. I want, I want to be a part of this. And so that was, that was the way that, that I got started. And, um, and because you, 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 we talked about this, you applied. Well, yeah, I did. I put, I, mean, I put a group together. Yeah. Um, we and traveled I, to California, raised some money, um, learned a whole lot, learned, a, learned how much I didn't know. Yeah. Um, and, uh, obviously didn't get a license, didn't, 
really, really underestimated what it what it took. Wasn't on that round interesting though? I it mean, was very what, interesting. What was it? Forty eight applicants, right? Forty eight, yeah. Yeah. So I represent one of the one of the applicants myself and we 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 talked about that, but it was um, you know, it was the first time that Texas ever had a round. Right. And it was it well, was kind the, of, it was, it was, it was, it was unknown what was going to happen. That's exactly right. Yeah. Right? And, and, every, and the, every, nobody knew what was going to happen. Right. And their conditions and restrictions were, were so, so tight. They were mm -hmm. so narrow that, you know, a lot of people were like, was this even worth it? You know, that's yeah. one of the things we heard That's in when they still had the ratio between CBD Correct. and THC and it was still 0.5% instead of the 1% right. uh, cap. I remember all that. And, um, because I mean, our our compassion use program didn't launch until, or didn't get, even get legalized until June first of two thousand fifteen. Right, and so I think application rounds was maybe started late sixteen. Maybe? Yeah, no, they were doing seventeen. Yeah, okay, yeah. So that was that was that process, and you know, like I said, I did. You know, it was it was interesting to talk to other lobbyists in other states, yeah, and especially like Colorado, who who'd been doing it even by then for a while, and some of the stuff they already regretted. They wish that they hadn't allowed. And these are the lobbyists that are, you know, working for these companies. Mm -hmm. uh, they wish they hadn't allowed home grows because they were saying that's that's where ninety nine percent of the, you know, overdoses come from. People are making their own brownies and mm -hmm. have no idea what's in there. Right. Um, right. And then gummies. Gummies. Mm -hmm. They felt like it was just too close to candy. It, and you know, most of the emergency room visits were for children mm -hmm. that had gotten into something that right. they they shouldn't have. And so it was really. It was I mean, really, that was the platform actually. How how uh, it was sold to Texans, right. intractable epilepsy, right? Right. Kids right. dying from seizures, right. and right. you know, I think we had a seventy percent uh, approval rating in, by Texans yep. because how do you argue against dying kids with epilepsy seizures? Right. So well, I mean, we have a seventy percent approval rating just for recreational. I mean, if you just polled yeah. everyone in Texas, is that today or was that? No, back that's then? today. That's today, okay. and that's the thing that you know has it really has evolved in the state because um, you know that was. That was just not even ten years ago. Yeah, and uh, this last session, there was a there was a bill to further expand the compassionate use program. Mm -hmm. um, it came out of the house, came flying out of the house, and then you know kind of met its demise in the Senate. But just two years before, you I mean that you you couldn't have you you would have had a big fight in a committee and a big fight on the floor and yeah. and this one had the support of a big chairman it was actually the, the chairwoman's bill so it it technically has the support of the speaker mm -hmm. um, because she's the lieutenant of the speaker and anything that she wants to get done you know speaker has to you know not 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 a not a you know a firm like yes you can do this but a rubber stamp mm -hmm. and um so yeah so it's it's changed a lot and and even at DPS where who you know is is over the compassionate use program um and talking to to some of the folks that that work over there they're they want it to be a very viable very um very uh successful program sure so yeah it's it's changed a lot yeah I mean, tw 21 was an interesting year wasn't it yeah well, um yeah <laughs> that, uh i remember that i i, I wasn't as involved this last legislative session mm -hmm. with the exception of um of course, you and I worked on a project together in yep. 23. Yep. Um, aside from that, I mean, that was kind of a big undertaking, right? Yeah. Yep. So um, that was, that took a lot of time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what, 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 was, what was your insight on on the whole process? So, yeah. So, uh, so you and I worked for a company that was, so back up a second. So DPS had announced that they were going to uh, open up 
and expand licenses. Yeah, but th- that rumor came out as early as October of 2022. Sure, yeah. Right, and yeah. so like words kind of trickled out. Yeah. And, um, and you know, it, it wasn't really known like what was what were the deadlines. We still never, we were still never told like how many licenses were going to be issued. Yeah. Or I think, uh, do you think that some of that was res- in response to the PTSD uh, added qualifying condition in 21? Um, as far as them talking about adding more, yeah, adding more licenses. I think, uh, honestly, I'll be honest. I don't, I don't know. I don't. It, it's. It's unclear what they're looking at, DPS is looking at to uh, determine when and where to, to expand. Yeah. Um, obviously, there is, st- you know, it's the state police, right? So yeah. it's, um, we, you know, we can nibble around the edges and, and ask questions of staff, but there's, it's, it's uh, you know, legally, it's really hard to, to lobby you know, uh, mm-hmm. DPS, that's not, so you, you, you gain as much information as you can, yep. then you work at the legislature. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, I think, like you said, the numbers, the polls, they all, they all say, you know, Hey, we need to expand. And I think that yeah. they looked at their program and realized, um, and again, I'm, I'm not speaking for them. This is just me kind of trying to, um, interpret some of their actions. Um, they only had three licenses, right? Three well, license holders. One of which was even and one of which is never opened, yeah. right? So access is really, really limited. And if you talk to the physicians, many physicians have explicitly said, we can't get enough of this. Right. Or we, uh, you know, I've uh, prescribed this for my patients and we can't get that particular right. product. Right. Whether it's a very, very specific formulary on a very specific count yeah. or, you know, or maybe it's, uh, they prefer gummies versus lozenges or right. whatever and they just can't get enough of whatever they need. Yeah. So there's a, there's a supply chain issue, right? Yeah. That's created. Yeah, for sure. It, it's in, um, you know, the other, the other issue was the, the, um, the ratio, right? You, there yeah. was no cap on, um, the, the milligrams. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if you want, if you needed to get to that 10 milligram level, well, mm-hmm. you had that put a bunch of extra crap in it mm-hmm. to get that ratio right. So right. you had kids that were getting sick from eating too much sugar, too much oil. Yeah. And so I really think the legislature, well, that was, that was p- part of uh, why I, I believe it was HB 1805. Um, was introduced was to to, to clean mm-hmm. some of this stuff up right. in the legislature that they wouldn't direct uh, DPS to kind of mm-hmm. uh, change their rules because the the bill that 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 we lobbied for um, and that was part of what I was doing for the group that we were representing was yeah. trying to get the bill passed because uh, it was going to add chronic pain to the list of yeah. conditions yeah I remember that yeah. which you know a lot of a lot of the legislature said well you're just this is just becoming medicinal. And we're half a step away from recreational. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't necessarily agree, but that was the that was the stance they took. And then it was going to allow. Well, I mean, what was the major pushback on chronic pain? That it's it's too ambiguous. Mm-hmm. That it's you know anyone can go in and say you know I, I, my back hurts. And um, now the the way the bill was written was um, chronic pain that would otherwise be treated with an opioid. So the angle that that the the, the uh, author of the bill was taking is like, look, this is going to curb opioid use, mm-hmm. um, which obviously you and I know it will. Like yeah. that's that's one of the you benefits. you know on average in any state, on average, and of course there are the outliers, there are, there are about 6,900 less deaths, opioid related deaths in, um, in states that has a more of expansive medical cannabis program. That makes sense. 
Um, I know 6,900 doesn't sound like an overwhelming number, but those are lives. That's a lot of lives. Right, those are, yeah. those are a lot of people yeah. that, that wouldn't have died yeah. that otherwise may have had uh, an opportunity to increase the mortality rate. And, and look, and not to you know go down this rabbit hole, but I mean, think about what, that how many of those 7,000 deaths and how many of those, how many other people are affected by that? How many families are destroyed yeah, by that? That's a good. You point. know how many yeah. businesses are are, are you yeah. know go under because no, that's, of that? That's a really good point. Yeah. So that that it's a it's it's an so exponential they're, they're number. Really, just not singular lives, right? But they're essentially lives that touch other people. Yeah, as well. absolutely. And so yeah, the opioid crisis uh, it destroys families and yeah. you know leaves kids parentless and so yeah, so the the the, the exponential effect of that is is. <laughs> I, you know, I don't know if we can measure it, but, yeah. but yeah, you're right. And that, that was, that was kind of the, um, the idea of that, that line in the legislation. And, um, the other part was, uh, it was going to allow health and human services, department of health and human services to add to the list of conditions without having to come back to the legislature. Uh, and for some okay. members, that was a full stop. Oh yeah, because it's like, well, hold on, you know, now that you're means, stepping on toes. Well, yeah, we're not so. going to have our hand in this anymore. You're going to give this <laughs> yeah. to an agency, and so that, like I said, it, it came out of the house. Um, mm -hmm. There were some amendments, and and I, I believe, if I and this is a little foggy, I believe that was struck from the bill before it went to the Senate. Okay, yeah. But to continue on, like, what were your what what were your thoughts about the pro the application process with the group that you and I represented? Because uh, they they came from you know um, they came from a background of multi state operators and big big multi state right. operators, so very very successful people. We were working around the clock yes. on that project. I remember the last weekend before we submitted, I worked eighteen hours that weekend. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was, we uh, we were having calls uh, just about every other day. And this was during trying to get the legislation passed. Yeah. So it was, it was, it was stressful. But what it did was for me, it made me realize how naive I was when I did my application. <laughs> <laughs> how little you actually uh, did yeah, in yeah. 2016. I mean, yeah, they had, they had, uh, they had legitimate scientists and, and legitimate yeah. MDs and, and cultivators and former uh, police officers oh, yeah. at, you know, writing all the plans for this, whereas me and, and two friends I went to college with that, you know, raised a couple thousand dollars and thought that we were gonna mm -hmm. throw a hat in the ring. Um, I mean, applicants were getting consultants, architects, I mean, all types of different uh, different professionals. It really was a team approach because yeah. not everybody's going to know no. everything. Um, you know, you had a couple of lead people that kind of, that, that were the QBs of, yeah. of the project. And you obviously had the person that were really pinned to paper, yeah. but it really was a multidisciplinary approach. Very much so. Um, and, you know, I always tell, I don't know what you tell other people, but I always tell my clients or prospective clients that if you are interested in that, you don't have between 15 to $20 million of capital backing, um, you're kind of wasting your time. Agreed. And that's, you know, it, and it could even cost more because it's a, it's a very expensive endeavor. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, very expensive there there's, and it, and it is in, you know, not, and again, not to, to drift into a, a criticism or any, or anything with DPS. I mean, they're, I think they're doing, um, a, a good job of, of, of getting into an unknown area in the state, right? We've never yeah. been here. Sure. Um, and, but some of the, some of the, some of the, application questions were kind of open-ended and amb ambiguous. Mm -hmm. And so there was a point where, are we supposed to go buy this property mm -hmm. and say like this, this yeah. 
oh, you know, okay, well, that's going to cost a couple million dollars right, right. on the on the chance that we get an, a, 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 a license. So yeah, to your point, it costs a lot of money. And yeah. there's some folks that um, have invested heavily. And, and again, it goes back to what I was saying about 2015. I mean, Texas is the last frontier as it comes to, to cannabis. Uh, every state touching Texas has some sort of yeah. Uh, cannabis law um, that is much or at least, more, m- at least more like at least a, on a broader fashion. Yeah, more right? liberal it's more Texas, expansive for sure. Yeah. Because we're looking at New Mexico, which is a wreck. Yep. Right. Uh, Arkansas has had a you know a program for a while. Yeah. Uh, Oklahoma speaks for itself, yeah. even though that that's a different discussion. It's yeah. kind of a it's kind of a shit show there. Yeah. But um, you have Louisiana has a more expansive one. So all the touching states have much broader programs yeah. within their states. Yeah. And then you have us, right? Yeah. Which we start off with one qualifying condition, expanded to seven, expanded to eight. And now we're still sitting at eight with, with two licensees that's operational. Right. And we still don't know when or if they're going to issue any licenses from this last round. That's correct. And let's just call it for what it is. And I'm not here to bash on DPS, but let's really be truthful on what it is. You're looking at 200 plus applicants spending millions of dollars on an application in pursuit of a license that may or may not ever get issued now. Yeah. Let's let's just call it for what it is. No, I, I mean, it's, I, a, it's, a, it's a statement of fact. And I know for a fact that they that there will likely be litigation because of it, mm-hmm. um, because every single one of those applicants have put in time, toil, money, bodies on this process, which you and I just um, verified that at least for our clients, we 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 put in a lot of hours. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a matter of being judicious and and what's fair. I mean. I don't think it's fair that they're not going to issue any licenses. I don't know about you, but I can say that on on my show. But sure. I'll just be on for the record that I think it's a disservice and it is not uh, judicious for them to take people's money, they being DPS. Now, grant, granted, I don't think I do think there are probably some um, other moving pieces in the background that I probably don't know about. So, sure. yeah. so in all fairness. But at the end of the day, people did pay money, people did put in time, and they did raise the capital they needed, all for an endeavor that may not ever come to fruition. You know, you're absolutely right. Um, it's uh, it's been, and again, I've I've got folks in, in DPS that that I consider friends and mm-hmm. uh, and and work with on other issues, um, and I. I, I Everyone there is very forthcoming, is very is very open about wanting to have a, a legitimate, successful program. That's what makes all of this so confusing. And where you know what 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 is what is it that is? I don't want to say forcing their hand, but what what was the change? What what was it? What was it that changed from uh, yeah. the, the 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 application process to well? Because I was sitting in the room when they said it, you know, it's not it's not a matter of when; it's a matter of if we're going to expand. That's right. After the applications were in, and that was that felt. Why wasn't that decision made before the applications were made? That was that was to be to be honest, that was disheartening. It was you know, it made uh, frankly, it made 
me look silly in front of my client. Sure. Um, but at the same time, it was it, it was it's it's confusing at at best to be as uh, <laughs> to be as as gentle as possible. Yeah, that process. It was just um, to me. It's like if you're if you're going to make this decision to say maybe we're not going to issue licenses, why would you do it after you've accepted all the application fees after all the applications have come in? Yeah. Again, I'm not I'm I'm not bashing anybody uh, at DPS. I'm not certainly not bashing DPS, but I just find it a little suspicious and a little odd. It's that, odd for sure, right? It's, and, it's odd for um, sure. Because if I'm thinking this, I guarantee you many, many other people are thinking that oh, as yeah. well, right? No, absolutely. And so you do have a lot of dis disheartened uh, applicants mm -hmm. and, you know, they've put in some real work into this. Yeah, real work and real, real money, um, yeah. you know, and, and I think our, our client has stated that um, if this, if, if this round is not award anybody and that has has applied then they they won't they won't try again in texas mm -hmm. and you know maybe that's you know some, maybe that's the strategy maybe, that, maybe that's the idea from some some of yeah. our uh our leaders at the top because yeah. i mean it's this is like we said this is a big deal outside of this the the next biggest thing i think in texas is uh is gambling yeah. and they're kind of they're kind of on the same tracks where the public is fine with it Mm -hmm. You've got um, business leaders that are fine with it. You've got local municipalities that are fine with it. Mm -hmm. And then it gets it gets stuck in Austin. Mm -hmm. And like I said, if you don't get a kind of a nod from, mm -hmm. you know, the tip top of, of the state leaders, it's really tough to to get going. And a lot of times we don't know where they are on certain things. Mm -hmm. And so that makes this process a little a little more confusing. All right. So I'm gonna put you in the hot seat. Okay. I'm gonna ask you a very kind of a controversial question and um speak freely sure. or you can tell me to uh you know that you're not comfortable saying this on air but as a lobbyist mm -hmm. in your opinion this is your personal opinion so for the record this is his personal <laughs> opinion what do you think is the biggest inhibitor or biggest um uh prevention in the state of texas advancing policies and laws uh, on the hill or in Austin uh, for cannabis. Sure, right. And no, that's a, that's a great question. Um, it's honestly, it's it's, it's um, you have you kind of have the way that we have looked at it. We have you have three silos of of, of lawmakers, right? Yeah. You've got one silo that are just hard nose forever, whether it's religious or you know whatever it is. They just I don't care what the science says. I don't believe it. Um, we're just gonna have a bunch of potheads running around. So you put mm -hmm. them in one category, right? Then right. you've got the folks that just all they want to see is the science and the data. And if the science and the data can back it up, um, then I'm good. Now, a lot of those folks are probably still anti-recreational, right? They're like, you know, I get it for the, you know, intractable. I get it for cancer patients. I get it for, um, I mean, you know, any of the, any of the conditions. But I don't want, you know, you be able to just roll up and, you know, buy a ounce of Kush because- right. Puff the magic dragon. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and then you have your unknowns. And okay. I think that's, that's, the, that's the biggest inhibitor because um, you have folks that have had certain uh, ideas 
I, I mean, I've got a number of, of examples. I, I won't, won't say their names, but I've had conversations with members that were anti, anti, anti. Don't, don't get me started with this. Then they had a relative who was diagnosed with stage four cancer and they had to, you know, go figure out how do we get them some relief? Mm-hmm. Because it, it's not, it's not here in the state. Mm-hmm. And now, so now they're like, I get it. I see it. But mm-hmm. it's, it's that personal experience that some of these, these members have to have. And I mean, that's, that's not different in, in any other walk of life. You know, it's, you know, I, I, you have to go through something before you truly understand. And again, not to beat a dead horse, but this is brand new in this state. And so we're, we're, and you know, we're fighting inertia. We're going from zero to right. one. And so I, you know, so those unknowns and inertia is the biggest in anything in the state is the biggest impediment to, to passing legislation. Okay. So I'm going to ask you another pressing question. Do you think this administration that we have here in Texas um, is um, reticent about pushing forward any type of advanced policy on this? I, I, I never say no. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'll never say, I'll never say it won't happen. I think we've, we've, we've come so far in just 10 years. Mm-hmm. And again, and having personal, I'll, I'll give you, if you, I'll give you a quick anecdote. Um, so, uh, Susan Hayes, shout out Susan Hayes. She, hey, Susan. she, uh, she, she's kind of well, the one that's, that's, that's brought me through this back. Even I met her back in, in 2015. That's how I met you. Yeah. Um, Two sessions ago, so 21, she, we were trying to, we were working on a bill and she had a, a, a client of hers who, and I think she'll be all right, me telling this, um, who was a, you know, conservative farmer, literally owned, yeah. owned, owned a ranch and his daughter had terrible, terrible Tourette's. And when she would get a tincture of, you know, uh, a cannabis, it went away. Mm-hmm. It was so bad that um, she couldn't. Uh, play sports and and so I uh, she wanted me to introduce her to one of the um, members of uh, the committee mm-hmm. and so I went I went in and talked to him before and he said you know look I don't I'm not I'm not for this I'm not I'll never be for this I don't believe it but I was yeah. like we just t- take 15 minutes and meet and he was like yeah sure of course 30 minutes later after his father explaining everything to him he went 15 minutes later after that and voted for the bill and so it was that wow. personal face to face showing up. Right, right. It takes time. Right. It takes effort. And um that, I mean so I mean let, let's be honest. I mean there are a lot there are still plenty of congressional members in Texas that are very anti-cannabis. Sure. Right? There's probably some people in the current administration that's anti-cannabis. But do you think that that viewpoint like you just now talked about that if they had a brother or a sister or a mother or a father or a kid that benefited from this program. Do you do you think that their views may change? Yeah, I because mean, I it's, think, a, it's a it's a, now there's a personal connection, right? Yeah, and I think that's the that's the thing. I mean, you go back to that the, there is no access here, so it's hard it's hard to have have ease of access for someone that's sick, and mm-hmm. they see the benefit immediately. Whereas uh, in other states, you know, it's 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 an alternative option. It's not here, so it's, well, it's not just a lack of options, but it's lack of uh, lack of ability to access it right. because you may not have a qualifying condition. Because 
our list of qualifying conditions are so limited. And right. I've always said physicians are actually the gatekeepers to all this, right? Sure. In, in a way that they're the ones that are actually putting patients on this program right. in Texas, right? right. At, this, at the end of the day, they are somewhat of the gatekeepers to how people access it because um, well, the physicians themselves, they have to enroll into teacup. Right, no, right? They, they do, yeah. So if they don't register, right, they don't get to prescribe. Well, and that's one of the biggest concerns they have is litigation in sure. the state of doing something that you know is is in the gray area and that's that's actually how i got into cannabis i don't right. know if i told you that um i got into cannabis as a healthcare attorney in okay. 2013 because my first project was what are physician liabilities prescribing versus recommending medical yeah. cannabis and with healthcare providers and uh, a lot of my representation as an attorney is representing healthcare providers. So you have nursing homes that's questioning about, well, how is this gonna impact my Medicare certification? Right. Can we use a lockbox program? Right. You know, do can we administer versus them self-administering? How do we store it? Um, you know, physicians are concerned about their DEA registration or yeah. the medical board guidance, right? So yeah, like you said, all, I mean, then then <laughs> then you get the federal aspect to it where yeah. you know Medicare jumps in and because it's still a schedule one drug yeah and of course when they become certified providers there's a little clause in there that says that they attest that they will not aid in bed in a federal crime right well but this is this is a federally illegal right. product yeah right um and for those of you who are watching cms has actually not issued uh, any specific guidance on this and there's i don't know of any enforcement action that's ever been taken by the doj or the cms because of a healthcare provider that's um that's that's tied to um medical cannabis yeah so yeah. um but so let's let, let's transition. Let's talk about a little bit about uh, capital insights. Sure. Um, you your your lobbying firm doesn't just um, lobby on uh, cannabis issues. Correct. Tell me about some of the other endeavors that you guys do locally. And but as part of the local endeavors with municipalities, does uh, does, does cannabis ever come up? And do cannabis issues ever arise, whether it's on the hemp side or a vape shop or anything like that? Yeah, so we uh, typically, we uh, represent businesses. Like I said, we've got a couple mm -hmm. Fortune 50 companies. We do a lot in tra transportation. Okay. Um, and so transportation, you know, is 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 on the local level a lot. Um, we're at uh, City Hall. And that that's kind of the other thing. Um, living in Dallas and, and lobbying in Austin, um, during the interim, we do a lot of work in the city and, and county levels. You know, all of our clients have have some kind of issue, whether it's a right of way issue or um, some some kind of ordinance that that they need help with, or mm -hmm. you know, license or, or, or something. So it keeps us busy for sure. And 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 I, I like to do the local work because um, it, it's such a cliche. Politics is all local, and it is um, because it's you know your city council member or your your county commissioner. They have more impact on your life than uh, a, a congressman or, or, mm -hmm. or state senator. Um, they they are dealing with you know your neighborhood and whether they're going to put in a, a crosswalk or not. And so um, it's more personal. It has it's more very of a, personal. It has more of an immediate impact. Right? It has, it, so. it, that's exactly right. And so uh, like to do a lot of work there. And there has been there's been some zoning uh, stuff that's come up with 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 hemp specifically. You know, oh, okay. Delta eight, Delta nine, and okay. what you know because it kind of slipped through a little bit um, mm -hmm. when the hemp bill passed yeah. that, and now it's kind of everywhere. Um, 
you see them next to gyms and and uh, next to you know, UPS stores, and and so there's been some there's been some questions of you know can we ban these these guys from being in certain areas mm-hmm. uh, because it's you know you want to talk about you know it's it's a completely unrelated unregulated market. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't really know what's in it. And you and you talk to DPS about this, mm-hmm. and they'll. Um, the, the things that they they confiscate, you know, and they and they've tested it. It spans the gamut, and, and as far right. as strength goes, where it's come from, where it's manufactured, this, the accuracy of the certificate of analysis, exactly. carcinogens, yep. you know, molds, yep. bacteria, yep. and so forth. Um, I mean, you've heard that several vape shops have been raided in the last couple of months, yeah. right? So, yeah. No, so there there is a concern at the at the city and, and county level for that of. Um, you know, just how bad is some of this stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you remember in the nineties, I mean, there was the, the herbal ecstasy, right? Oh, that you yeah. could get at Seven Eleven. Yeah. I feel like that's kind of the, the, the world we're in right now is, uh, you know, Delta eight, Delta nine, those, while they're technically hemp and legal, what they do to them, I mean, it's, it, it, it it's really dangerous stuff. Well, see, I mean, <sighs> You know, uh, uh, the legality issue is a different topic. Sure. I can argue against the fact that it's arguably illegal, right? Right. In, 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 um, but that's a different discussion for a different day. But I, I, I find it interesting because if you look at the states that have um, very restrictive regulations when it comes to Delta ATHC, that's hemp derived, Delta 9 THC, that's hemp derived, all the hemp derived cannabinoids yeah. that's, that has a psychoactive reaction. The states that have an adult use um, that's legalized adult use, they're the ones that's restricting it more. So, and I get it because yeah. it competes with the adult market. Right. Because we don't have an adult market, Texas has kind of forced everyone's hand into this market because we have no other options. Right. So is it is it really a beast that's been created because policies within Texas have forced other people's hands into this market, which as you said, it's it becomes more unregulated. So you have unregulated products versus a highly regulated market in other states such as we'll just say Minnesota or Colorado or or, or California where well actually California is a bad example right. because I think like 60-70% of the products on the on the market is, uh, are, is from the legacy market right, right. So, anyways bad example um, so I, I guess my point is that did we create this unregulated quasi legal quasi illegal market ourselves because Texas policy is so anti adult use. Yeah, no, I think it's a great point. And, you know, you look at anything, uh, if you, if you want a black market to move in somewhere, Mm -hmm. don't, you know, don't regulate anything. Um, as soon as you regulate things and you make it a legitimate business again, you know, I'll take liquor again. It's as soon as that was, you know, the twenties and thirties were insane Mm -hmm. with the crime and organized crime and bootlegging. bootlegging, yeah, Yeah. And bathtub gin, as soon as you regulate it, and as soon as you 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 have the government's hands around it, and so safety access, mm-hmm. you have a whole system. Who makes back backyard gin anymore? Yeah, right. Yeah. And so, 
I don't, and I'm not, I'm not sitting here saying if we, if we legalize marijuana, then, you know, the cartels are gone forever and, you know, immigration's going to be fine and yeah. we're going to not have any, any, any problems with that. That's, that's what I'm saying, but it'll certainly reduce that. Yeah. It'll cut, it cut one of the legs off of, of the cartels. If, if we have a, a, a serious regulated market here in mm-hmm. Texas that is treated, you know, and again, <laughs> our client, other, 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 other folks in the industry, that's what they want. They want to be a legitimate business. Yeah. Um, some of the things that that I I was doing for our client was going and joining chambers of commerce. Yeah. And saying, look, we sure. want to be a partner here in the in the in the the neighborhood. We want to. I mean, the amount of money that that they gave away uh, to foundations and to um, to, to good causes. Um, that's what they want to be a legitimate partner. They want to be a, right. a total wine and more in the neighborhood where right. people feel safe to go and, and well, get something. That's what you're saying, you're showing up and having yeah. developing that trust and eliminating the not in my backyard attitude, Correct. right? Yeah. Um, being part of the community, see, letting people know that you're um, a contributor in the community, right. how you create jobs right. and that you're not a threat to their kids. Right. You're not a threat to you know whomever. It's not a burned out 7-Eleven yeah. where no one's like, oh, hey, you can't go down there don't don't go down there right um and i'm not i'm not saying that we're, we're trying to you know jump to recreational that's not what i'm saying it's um but having having a safe dispensary mm-hmm. that people trust that they feel like they're just going to a walgreens yeah as opposed to oh that's you know that's a cd place i mean i think we can have these conversations in circles over and sure, over because of course. the counter argument to that is until 280e changes um, they have to raise right. the prices of the products. Right. It's regulated, right? right? And in order for them to be profitable, then if it's so expensive, are people not deferring to the legacy market anyway? Sure. Right. So right. that's that's another that's that's another discussion. But um, we have to wrap up. But tell me about your 2024 plans. What is in sight for you, your dad, Drew, and Capital Insights? Yeah, so um, we, uh, I, I'm, I'm actually really, really excited about 2024. And, um, you know, cannabis is is kind of on pause uh, for us. We're, yeah. you know, wait to see uh, what DPS will do next year. Um, but, you know, part of our other business is uh, we, do, we do a lot of uh, uh, business development and market entry. So mm-hmm. um, we'll go overseas and uh, go to go to water conferences for water innovation companies, and we'll help them come yeah. uh, break the market in the United States and, and Texas. Yeah, we've so, about that, yeah. yeah, so it's a that's a big that's a big part of our interim. I think um, he was. You said it was in Netherlands. Or it something? was in Amsterdam. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Speaking of regulation, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that brands around everything. Um, so so that's something that that we we do a lot of, and we've been pretty successful. We just had a couple of really successful meetings with some potential clients right, right. before the holidays and um um really looking forward to do that and we're also um we're also thinking about expanding our our firm as well, so okay. uh, maybe add some some other partners okay. so okay. I, I'm looking forward to twenty twenty four all right. Well, hey, it's been a great discussion with you, man. Um, you know, we've had a lot of one-on-ones, yep. uh, and we obviously got to work on a project together. But I think um, this was a this is a valuable discussion. No, I appreciate uh, it. Thanks yeah. so much for having me on. Thanks for coming.